I don't know who it was, but there was a particular uh, children's minister, and, and, uh, and she, would, she would say to, to the pastor, Pastor, take the parents, sing them a couple of songs, tell them a couple of stories. I'm equipping saints. I need time. Isn't that good? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, we've been on a journey, and you guys have been with us. So I'm going to jump right in. This is all about loving our cities. This is all about seeing Jesus get his full reward in the earth. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples, teaching them to do everything that I've commanded you. So as we're going, as we're going, everywhere we're going, what we're doing, we're looking to engage in the commandments of Jesus to make disciples of all nations, all people, every tongue, every tribe, and to teach those disciples to do what? Everything that Christ commanded. And as we look at the strategies of heaven, we see that we are to engage with our cities we're to engage in meaningful ways, and so we've been on that journey, and we're going to jump in here, and uh, I have lovingly titled today's message of Loving Our City, Part 8, Lovers Do. On the podcast, it will just say Loving Our City, Part 8, and, um, and if you have been missing, I, I shared last week that I really want to encourage you, if Christ Center is home for you, even if it's not, listen to this whole series. If you've missed part of this message this is one of the most important messages for you to grab a hold of to understand what we're up to, what we're about, and how we're extending the kingdom with the love of Christ in meaningful ways. If, if, if this, it just explains why we do what we do and how we're going to do it, okay? So please, if you've missed any of them, just go to ChristCenter.com, click on the, on the sermons. Uh, you can also just get it on your, on your iPhone um, or the other phones. I don't know, there's other kind of phones out there if they work or if you like them or you want to use them and you've forgiven me for running down your phone, you can get it on your podcast and just go to Christ Center uh, Sermons. Listen to these podcasts because it will help you to engage with what we're doing and understand why we're doing it. It really explains the why and the what, okay? So here we go, lovers do. Matthew chapter five, verse 14 through 20, Jesus is speaking. This is, uh, this is as Jesus is standing on the mount and he's talking and he's laying out his his beautiful kingdom message, and he just got done with the Beatitudes, and then he, he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See your good works. You notice that they'll actually be able to see them. Did you catch that? I underlined it in case you were wondering what I was pointing out. They will see your good works, and because of what they see, they will glorify your Father in heaven. Let me continue. Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. What he's saying, even the punctuation isn't shifting. Every part of the law is going to be fulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away before this law will pass away. Did you catch that? I didn't come to get rid of the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. I didn't lower the standard. I'm actually raising it. And he goes on. He says, whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, 
shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Did you catch that? Jesus just said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to tell you that you don't have to be righteous anymore, that it's just all good. I actually came to fulfill the law. And in fact, if any of you don't fulfill the law with your lives and you teach other people not to do it, you're the least in the kingdom of heaven. It's pretty intense, isn't it? But this is what Jesus is saying, so I'm not going to apologize for it. He goes on to say, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is very clear that he has come to fulfill the law and the prophets. He's laying out the result of what's going to happen when we're born again. He's saying, this is what you're going to be able to do when you're born again. You're actually going to be able to fulfill the law and the prophets as I'm fulfilling the law and the prophets. Now, we know that we've had a sin problem, right? You see, we'll begin to fulfill the law and the prophets with our lives because we're no longer slaves to sin, but sons and daughters who now live out the good things that God has given in the law and the prophets. You see, when we're born again, it deals with the sin nature, the selfish nature, the selfishness problem. The pride of life problem, the I can be my own savior and make my own rules and do it my own way problem. And when we're born again, what happens is, we, you know, we just, took, we just took the wine and the bread to speak of the fact of what Christ did. He saved us through his righteousness. No one could be their own savior. And the law preached that to us. Every time that we tried to fulfill every part of the law, we would fall short in some part of it. And it would preach to us, oh my goodness, I'm not actually righteous. My own uh, rules that I've written for myself, they fall so short of the requirements of the law and the prophets. Do you guys catch this? So the law and the prophets preach to us both sin and righteousness. What is sin? Well, I have no idea. It's when I don't get my way. No, no, actually, let's see what the law and prophets says it is. Oh, here's what it says it is. You see, without the law and the prophets, we don't know what sin is. But the law and the prophets came to say, here's what sin is, and here's what righteousness is. And God actually requires that you be righteous. You don't get to just write your own rules. But here's the other part of it. No one is able to fulfill the righteousness. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so therefore, what will we do? And so Christ, of course, comes and he says, I'm going to fulfill the law, and I'm actually going to fulfill it in you. You're going to be born again. You're going to die to sin. Sin is no longer going to be your problem you will actually be able to fulfill the law and the prophets too. It's amazing, isn't it? You see, the law was unable to make us holy. Christ has made us holy. And now it is natural for us to fulfill the law of holiness. Now, when we ignore the law and the prophets and we don't allow, allow it to point us towards God's intentions and holiness, we do so at our own peril. Did you catch that? When we, when we get real, see, we want to get all fast and loose with the scriptures, we want to say, oh, Jesus came and he abolished the law, therefore I don't have to do any of that stuff anymore. We missed the whole point. You see, Jesus, when he abolished the law, what he's saying is, I abolished you trying to earn your own righteousness by keeping every single one of these laws. But because I died and rose again and you no longer have a sin problem, you're able to fulfill the law of love and you actually fulfill all of these laws as a natural outcome of loving God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind and loving your neighbors yourself. You see that? But here's, here's the rub. Oftentimes what we do is we act like we don't even need to go back and check out and see what the law and prophets say. And we get straight up ignorant and come up with the weirdest applications of what, quote, New Testament love looks like. 
Suddenly then, it's love wins. Nobody's going to hell. The devil's going to get saved. That's where we end. You think, I know, it's, it, I wish that it was that funny, but there are religions that teach that. God is love, love wins. In the end, even the devil will repent. Wow, that's how far we get when we ignore the law and the prophets. We do so at our own peril. When we forget the history that God gave us, we do so at our own peril. And we begin to justify the weirdest behaviors. And so then suddenly we're creating our own traditions. Let me continue on. So when we are born again, the law of God begins to be written on our heart, which is to love him and to love our neighbor. But should we wonder, hey, I wonder what that works out as. What does that look like in real time? We can go back and look at the law and the prophets and look at the scriptures as the early church was grappling with how do we fulfill this covenant? If Christ has fulfilled the righteousness of the covenant, how do we live in such a way that we glorify God in all that we do? And that's where we have this word. And that's why we must allow this word to call and pierce our own hearts and look at the motivations of our own hearts in the places where we honestly are doing what we want for reasons other than why we say we are. See, the word goes in and it says that the word is a two-edged sword and it's sharper than anything else and it, and it cuts even dividing bone and marrow, discerning even the motivations of the heart. That's the law and the prophets. And Christ says this, he says, unless your righteousness is greater than the pros who are, they are, they're fulfilling the whole law, but you know what they're doing? They're missing the point. They don't love their neighbor. They've become legalistic. They think they're, own, they're, they're, they're their own saviors. And he goes, but here's what he says to the, to the Pharisees. He goes, you guys fulfill the full law. You even tithe on the seasonings of your food. You give a tenth. But you've missed the point of where that's pointing at. And you've missed mercy and justice. And he says this to them. He says, you should, you should do the former and the latter. You should not neglect the one and do the other. You should do both. And he turns to us and says to us, oh, good, you understand love, but you don't tithe? Well, I'm telling you the same thing. Don't neglect one and do the other. I'm actually calling you to a high righteous standard to do it all, to fulfill the whole law of love. And when we ignore the history of Christ, when we ignore the history of God with man, and we ignore the law and the prophets, what we do is we start creating our own application of how we would bring the kingdom. But here's the thing. You can't even recognize what we're bringing anymore because we're not submitting ourselves to the kingdom and the revelation given in the law and the prophets. Are you guys with me? Are you having fun here? All right, so here we go. So when we do this, when we miss when we miss what's being brought, when we miss grappling with how to apply the law and the prophets through the revelation of the Holy Spirit and through the fulfillment of Christ's blood, which has redeemed us, we've been saved, we've been born again, what we end up doing is we find ourselves floating anchorless in the currents of our own deceptions and the culture's latest opinions. Jesus summarizes the whole law and the prophets here. He was asked by someone, he says, what is the most important commandment in all of the, of the law and the prophets, 617 of them. Which one's most important? Christ turns to him, he says, Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus answered him. He says, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. All of the law and the prophets rests on these. This is the foundation. You see, the law and the prophets brings articulation to how one would love their neighbor and how one would give complete justice. 
You can't understand the law and the prophets if you miss the fact that you're to love God with all your heart, mind, strength, soul. All, all your everything. Let me use some different words. He says this, the law of God, the most important part of God is that you love him with all of your affection, your finances, and your time. You see, he didn't just say you should love your Lord, your God. He breaks it down. He says, I want you to love, you have to love the Lord with all of your heart. This is your affections. With all of your soul. That's the word psyche. And it also means breath. The very breath. He says, with your strength. What is your strength? It's the time that you have. It's the resources that you have. He says, you must love God with all of your substance, all of your affection, all of your time. All that has been entrusted to you, you are called to love God with all of it. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And we know in 1 John, we're, we're shown very clearly, don't say you love God unless you're loving your neighbor. Because the manifestation of loving God will happen in the actions of how you love your neighbor. See, love does. Lovers do. You see, the difference between a lover and a non-lover is lovers do and others don't. That's the difference. Lovers do. And so you can just reverse engineer. If you look at the word and you look at what it's calling you to you and you go, I don't, here's the good news. You can get saved and do. It's, is, aren't you glad when it's simple? I always like it when it's simple. So here, here is this picture. Jesus is saying, this is how, this is how you can Move forward. This is how you can know that you are aligning with my kingdom. This is how you can extend my kingdom. You will love with these things. You see, they're not unsubstantial. They're not mystical. They're not ununderstandable. They're concrete. They are our substance. How many of you have given yourself the breath of life, that word soul. How many of you, psyche, how many of you been, have given yourself the breath of God? Exactly, none of us. We have received a life from God. How many of you have given yourself the ability to work and make a profit? None of us. We have been, given, says the Lord gives you the ability to work and make a profit. How many of us have given you, your heart its beat? None of us. It is the Father's heartbeat that gives us ours. Everything that we have has been given to us. So when we are born again, the Bible says, count the cost. You are not your own. Do you not know you are the Lord's? You see, it changes everything. Now, here's the good news. There's a lot less stress this way because if it's all his stuff, when something's going wonky, you would be like, Lord, your stuff is broken. <laughs> Stuff's not working. You know, Lord, you got some late bills you might want to work on because, you know, I mean, I'm just helping you, Jesus, with your stuff. Now, when it's our stuff, it's a whole different deal, isn't it? Suddenly then, there's not enough. Suddenly then, we're very aware of our own limitations. Suddenly then, we're managing, we're stressing, we're anxious. But it's actually his stuff. You see, when you're born again, you're born again as his son, as his daughter, part of his family. You are no longer your own. You belong to him, and we belong to each other. Amen? All right, so... Here we get into James. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. I, I love, I love uh, in the King James Version, he says, and all superfluity and naughtiness. 
<laughs> I almost wanted to do it. I thought I'll just say it and naughtiness, superfluity and naughtiness. Okay, <laughs> lay that stuff aside and receive with meekness the implanted word. Say implanted word. See, that's the word. That implanted word is the law and the prophets. Jesus Christ is the word. Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think in them you will find eternal life, but they speak of me. I am the word. This is the implanted word. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, fulfilling the law and the prophets. Christ is in you, fulfilling the law and the prophets. You are born again, becoming like Christ. The Spirit of God is forming in us Christ. How many prayers are there? I pray for you until the fullness of Christ is formed in all of you, and we come in together to the maturity of Christ Jesus. Doing what? Fulfilling the law and the prophets. Heaven and earth will not pass away until I have fulfilled all things. Christ said, it is finished. We are born again. We are continuing to fulfill the law and the prophets. We are continuing to fulfill the law of love. What does that look like? Look into the law and the prophets. How do we apply that? Grapple together with us, teachers, pastors, apostles, evangelists. Grappling together to say, God, how do we apply your law? Since you've come, do you still want us to do animal sacrifice? And God brings through revelation, through the apostolic teaching? No, because I was the lamb. The law spoke that the lamb would come. So we don't do animal sacrifice anymore. Lord, do you want us to keep the Sabbath on the actual seventh day anymore? He says, no. Jesus, he said, no, the Sabbath was created for you, not you for the Sabbath, but I value rest. And Hebrews says, enter into that rest. So we've got to apply the law and the prophets in a way that's in line with the kingdom of heaven, but there is a revelation that comes. But you notice that we don't abolish it in the sense of that we just do it away and say, oh, that was all crazy. God the Father was on this weird trip. He was all ruly and righteous and such. He didn't really love people. He just liked hammering them. And then Jesus came, he hammered him, and then he felt better. So he's like, do whatever you want, love wins. No, Christ came to fulfill the law and the prophets, and the law and the prophets still speak of the righteousness that is fulfilled through Christ in us now. Are you guys with me? All right, so James speaks to us, and he says this. This implanted word, this law and the prophets, this Christ Jesus, who is the manifestation of the fulfillment of these scriptures, happening in you, you're being formed in him. How do you know? Check the scriptures. They match up, you're doing okay. They don't match up, change. Don't change the word, you change. With the help of the Holy Spirit, praise God. But you've been born again, so you can change with his help. So you take that, it's able to save your souls. It's pretty important that we conform ourselves to the thing that's able to save our souls. Because have you noticed that none of us are able to save our own souls? Your own traditions, your own interpretations, your own habits aren't able to save you. So therefore, every one of us must conform to Christ and be saved. And then he says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and he immediately forgets what kind of man that he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, don't you, I love this, and he continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you, I, I, I shudder every time I read this. This is so to my heart. Good Lord, help me, Jesus. If anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, 
but deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. God, I ask that you would just help me, Father. You know how much I talk. (laughs) Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You see, in James, he's saying, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The scripture is saying to us right now, God is saying to us right now, through the apostle James, he's speaking to the church now that's about 46 years old. This is when James wrote this, and he wrote it, it was an open letter for all the churches, so it's 46 years later, give or take a couple of years, but for the most part, scholars agree this was right within 46 years, so Jesus is left now, the church is 46 years old, James is coming back and saying, guys... You're not going to just pray a prayer and then you got your ticket to heaven and nothing has changed. And James is intense. He comes back and says, listen, don't you know that faith without works is dead? Do you think that Abraham was justified without doing anything? No, Abraham was justified that he believed God when he set forward to kill his own son. It was as the knife was plunging down that the angel said, stop, I now know that you hold nothing back from me, not even your firstborn son. Therefore, Abraham became the father of faith. He wasn't the father of faith until his actions matched his belief. We are not believers until our actions match our belief. I don't apologize for that because God doesn't apologize for that. Now, here's the good news. If today, many of us are being convicted to realize that our actions do not match our belief. There are parts of our lives that do not line up with the scriptures we're offense carriers. We hold back part of, our, part of our power. We have things that are not in submission to the scriptures, and we've created traditions. And those traditions make God's word of no effect. God said to the Pharisees, you have a fine way of making the word of God of no effect for your traditions, and many things like this you do. And my fear for my own life and for all of us is to say, oh my goodness, Jesus, I don't want you to have to say that to me. Josh, you have a fine way of making your traditions happen while making my word of no effect. You have a fine way of creating your own religion based on what you want to do right now and how you feel about it with your limited 39 years of perspective in America, North America, during this particular season of time because you have Google. You're now smarter than all the theologians. You're better than all the history of Revelation from Adam until now. You have a fine way of allowing your little limited view and your honor of your own intellect, and your Google working. It's scary, isn't it? I can sit at home and be superior to thousands of years of other people's obedience unto the Lord. And it's amazing, too, because when I'm in that place, I don't have to check my fruit. I can just be like, oh, I like this article. This is good. This is exactly what I was hoping was true. (laughs) And it's hard to check the fruit of someone who's blogging. If you're gonna get your latest theological ideas, at least go check on the person and find out about the fruit in their life. That one was for free. So what does this look like? He says, this next one here, Matthew 5, 19, he says, whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So let me, bring this, let me bring this down so that each of us can grapple with this ourselves. And here's the good news. 
You're beautiful sons and daughters of God. I don't think that there are wicked, bad people in here who are just crawling around trying to create their own religions. No, no. I think that you have beautiful hearts. I think that the intentions of your heart are wonderful. But there are parts of our hearts, that was an accidental rhyme, that need to allow, we need to allow them to come under the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and see what the intention is. The word is there for exhortation, for correction, and for teaching. And we need to let the word teach us in the places where we have made God's word of no effect through our own traditions. Another word might be through our own habits, through our own schedules, through our own budgets. We make the word of God of no effect. And so when God says, this is the fulfillment of the law that you love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, it means all of your substance. I've been working on my language to say it like this, when, is that, that we would love him with all of the things that he has given to us. You see, when I say, Lord, I want to honor you with my money, I'm already wrong. Lord, I want to honor you with all of the money you've entrusted to me. Lord, I want to honor you with all of my time. Do you not know that you are bought with a price? Lord, I want to honor you with all the time that you've given me in this life while I have it. As long, this is the day the Lord has made. I didn't make this day. I will rejoice and be glad in it, Lord, with the time that you've given me. And you know what? The truth is it's lighter, isn't it? It's actually easier to let go of, by the way, when you realize it's all his. This life, this strength, this affection, these are the things that I can honor you with. But let us not confuse ourselves nor deceive ourselves. None of it is ours. But we can honor him with managing all the things that come into our hands. So let me ask you this. Where are your affections? Where are your finances? How do you spend the time that has been given to you? These are the places where we can say, if lovers do, what do I do with the affections of this heart? What do I do with the time that has been given to me? Am I purposeful with it? Am I aiming it towards the kingdom? Am I looking into the word to see, God, what is it that you wanted me to do? And he says, I want you, as you go, to work and make a profit. That's what it says in the word. He says, as you go, all authority has been given to me, therefore I want you to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to do everything that I've commanded. I want you to honor me with your first fruits and your finances. We see that from Abel through Christ. I want you to take your time and honor me with that. I value rest. You need to take a day off each week. You, working seven days is not smart. I know what I made. I gave you a Sabbath. It doesn't have to be on Tuesday or Saturday or Sunday, but you actually need rest. You are, do not work smarter when you work harder. And he says this, they will see your good works and give glory to God so that means if I'm a lover that does, then I must have good works. 
Now, this is, now these are some things, and, and I'm gathering from a lot of teaching that we've been talking about, but we're purposeful in what we're called to do. We know that God has given us a mandate to serve the widow, the orphan, the poor, the immigrant, and those that are in prison. Those are his top five. He constantly speaks to nations through, through Israel until now, and he says, I will know where your heart is based on how you allocate your time and finances and love towards these groups. The Bible says, love one another fervently. So these things are not hard to find. They're all right here in the Law and the Prophets. But we must be intentional then to say, Father, I'm, I'm sitting down right now and I'm saying, God, here's the schedule. With the time that you've given me, where do you want me to serve? Now, I want to be real practical here for just a moment, and I'm wrapping up right now. But I want to say this. Many of us, we, we, it's okay for us to understand that in our culture, our culture celebrates some things that are really, really beautiful, but they can get taken too far. And there's a lot of pressure on us, a lot of pressure on us, especially here in America, to be, to be discovering our innermost purpose, our most destinified destiny. And to be in that sweet spot where we would then be truly happy as we are fully expressing all that is us, the essence of meanness. And there's pressure to find that. And I, and I want to tell you, hey, great news. God knows your name. He knows every hair on your head. He has a name for you that he's not even going to tell anyone else. You and him have a secret name you'll find out about later. Okay? You are extra special. And your identity is found in the fact that he knows your name. And until you know what the specific extra special gift is that you do bring to the body, because some of you, some of you are world-class leaders, but right now, you're the leader of you. And he is not going to put you in charge of a company of 10,000 people when you don't even manage your own time and finances that have been entrusted to you at this level. He loves you too much. It's the same way that you're saving up to buy your kids cars, but you're not giving them the car now, therefore... And if he gave you your destiny right now, you would wreck it. You're not ready. The Lord gave me prophecy after prophecy from the time that I was like, uh, I think the first time was like six or somewhere between six and ten years old. Can you imagine if he gave me Christ Center then? But he was t he's been telling me about this day since I was a little boy. And many of us are looking for our place to serve. With that in mind, but Lord, I know I'm called to great things. And he says, yes, but you're ignoring the part where if you're faithful in little, you'll be given much. Go wash feet. I did. You see, I want you to look through the law of love and look at the things that we as a house are focusing on right now. If you don't have something right now where you're engaging in a meaningful way with your time to serve the cities, come alongside what we're doing, what we're doing together. And we're going to have some great on-ramps here that we're going to be talking about. Karen is heading up, coordinating more and more of that. But we, we need mentors for the guys in the Life Change program, people who are coming out of addiction, and they need someone that will meet with them an hour a week. So that's four hours a month. So that means looking at the time that God has allocated to you and saying, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to set this aside because I'm going to meet with one of your sons or one of your daughters that's in Life Change because they need someone who can just be there and be a witness and encourage but you know what it's going to mean? It means for that hour each week of, that, of, of every month, you're not doing something else. It means you're doing that because you made a decision. You've steered that. You're a doer. Lovers do. 
I do commit that I will not spend that time somewhere else. I'm committing it to your kingdom, Lord. And that's the part where we're kind of like, whoa, take it easy with your commitments, man. I need to be at the ready, instant, in season, and out of season. So if Jesus does tell me something at a time where I'm in the mood to do it and feel like it and something good isn't on TV, that I'll be ready. <laughs> Lovers do. Lovers do. We, we have opportunity. We're going to be looking at staffing, uh, God willing, Thursday nights at local aid every Thursday. So, we need to, so that would be a great on-ramp. Setting aside time to say, I'm going to go serve my city in a meaningful way because I want to be able to encounter the poor and show Christ Jesus through practical ways. But man, I'm going to have to actually allocate that. Scripture says, honor God with your first fruits. In all that you do, honor him and you will be successful. That means that two things. Number one, it means you as a follower of Christ who are called to work and make a profit, you have to actually know how much money you have in order to make a profit. There's a thing in the Bible called a budget you need to get one and put your first fruits at the top and allocate that unto the Lord lovers do others don't you have to know how much is there in order to know how much 10% would be 10% is just a starting point but if you don't write it down and you don't do it you won't do it do not deceive yourselves and be a hearer only but be a doer of the word your affection. Father, I meet with you when it's convenient. <laughs> Set aside that time that your affections will be pointed unto the Lord. Take the time to be in the habit of meeting with him and pouring over these and grappling with these words as they form in you, Christ. And there are many more opportunities to serve our cities, but here's the thing. And, uh, um, and we know I'd like you to come up and grab a microphone on your way. We must purpose in our hearts that we are going to honor the Lord with these things or it will not happen. This is us listening to James where he says, don't think that faith alone saves you, but understand, yes, Christ saved you. It's the work of Christ. I'm not talking about salvation, but don't think that that means you're a believer. Don't think that that means you're doing anything yet. In fact, he says, you believe there's a God? Good. So do the demons, and they tremble. So believing in God is a great starting point, but it may not mean you're going the right direction yet. Amen? I thought you guys would be a little more encouraged by that. I wasn't saying you were demons. Um, so what I'm calling, the call to action here is, this week, this is your homework, to go before the Lord and say, Father, this is what your word says. Help me as your child to begin to allocate my affections, my time, and my finances. And let me say it this way. Lord, help me to allocate my affections, the time that you've given me, and the finances that you've entrusted to me at this time, so that in everything that I do, I'm a doer of the word and not just a hearer. Some of you are in seasons of life where all you have right now, honestly, is like four hours a month. And God understands that. He understands you got four-year-olds or three-year-olds or whatever's going on. So you can say, Lord, I have these four hours. I've looked at, I've looked at the time that you've given me, and this is what's available. You, where, where can I point it? Because I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to be consistent about it. I'm going to be a doer. I am a lover, and I do. And give him that time. Because you'll be in another season soon enough. As we're faithful in little, we'll be given much.
So this is your homework. Take this before the Lord and ask him, Lord, where am I deceiving myself and where must I become a doer? Show me, God, that I would be a fulfillment of your love in every aspect that you've entrusted to me. The prayer servant team is going to come forward now. On the 10th, we're going to be having some great opportunities for you guys to sign up for several needs of our city. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm preaching this word unabashedly and unashamedly. I do it anyway, but we actually have some great on-ramps where you can be preparing, knowing already where the budget is for your time and the, and the finances that have been given to you and the affections of your heart to say, you know what, I've searched my heart and it turns out the Lord wasn't as interested in all of the TV series that I'm really liking right now and he said I could trade a couple to engage in meaningful ways. So my time is freed up and I'm ready to sign up and help. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready that part of this life that's been entrusted to me is given in purposeful ways to extend the kingdom. You're gonna be ready and we're gonna be ready to partner. Many of you are already engaged and the Lord bless you. Be encouraged. Continue on. Don't grow weary. Together, we are making disciples of all nations and teaching them to do all that he commanded because they see our good works. They don't just hear us yapping about it. They see it and they hear the reason why we do because lovers do. Now, you may not have had the opportunity to give your life to Christ yet or perhaps today you're realizing, wow, I, somewhere along the line, became a hearer only, and I am convicted today, and I want to become a doer, and it starts right now. Repent from that, and repent unto, Lord, it's yours. I just remembered. It's all yours. And so Awino is going to just present to you an opportunity to turn and receive the love of God, and he's going to lead us through a prayer now. For, for those of you who may have never met Christ, so we don't go ahead and take it away. And after that, you're free to come and be prayed with. If you need healing, you need blessing, you need deliverance, you need encouragement, you need a prophetic word, come be prayed for. May the Lord bless you. Thank you, Awino. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a hand, please. Thank you, Pastor Josh. So, um, before I say anything, um, I have a word of encouragement. I know you heard a lot from him, but uh, I just feel like I need to say this. Most of the time when I feel really down, you know what I do? I go around and encourage people. When I need a word of encouragement, I go to a brother or a sister and say, hey, I love you and... Um, I believe God is going to do great things in your life, you know. Sometimes you're going to step out of your comfort zone and just encourage people. With that being said, if there's someone here or a couple of people, I don't know, if you have never given your life to Jesus, it's never too late. And uh, I'm going to pray. I want everybody to close your eyes. And um, you don't have to come up here. I just want you to raise up your hand, and I'm just going to pray, and um, let's do it. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for you. Your love is everything to us. We have nothing to lose being part of your kingdom, being part of what you do. And what you're capable of. 
I pray that you open up our hearts. Help us to understand who you really are. Lord, there's no one like you. I know sometimes there's just that fear. Just afraid, oh, what are the people going to say? I can't raise up my hand because I'm just, I'm not sure if I'm ready for this. You know, it's not about people. It's about you and God. This is you. One day when you die, you die alone. You don't die with anybody. You were born and eventually you're going to die. So while you are here alive, Jesus' arm is open and he's willing to receive you with everything that's within you. Some of you might be feeling like, I'm like the sinner of all the sinners. I don't think he's going to love me. I don't think he's going to accept me with all this addiction. But guess what? He died for you. Oh, and all he wants to do is to make sure that you are, you are home. All he wants to do is to make sure that you're part of the family. Be part of the family of God. This is the safest place you could ever be. I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about the family of God, being a Christian, being a follower of the Most High God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Amen. And if you, if you want to do this, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you can come to one of these people up here and say, hey, I, I didn't want to raise up my hand or I was shy, whatever, but um, would you please help me? Lead me to Christ. Amen? Amen. God bless.